On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we talked to uh, Jim Hirsch. Uh, Jim has um, had a long and distinguished career as a producer and writer in the entertainment business here in Los Angeles. Uh, but um, his focus these days is on a really wonderful program that he's developed. Um, and the website for it is recoveryshot.org, and it involves using golf as a therapeutic measure to help folks who have suffered a serious injury. And um, we talk um, at length about that, and I would just encourage um, everyone who's listening to this to take a look at the website. Um, it's really, there are wonderful things that Jim and his organization are doing. Um, so up next, Jim Hirsch on this edition of Larry the Golf Guy. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy. Um, my great pleasure today to be joined by Jim Hirsch, who has had quite an extensive career in the entertainment business um, here in L.A., um, which we'll talk about briefly and, um, and then get to this wonderful program that he is um, the CEO of um, using golf as a, a therapeutic way to uh, help folks who have suffered from illness. Um, but we'll get to that. Jim, thank you so much for making the time to Thanks join for us. Having tonight. Me, Larry. My pleasure. So just to kind of give people a little context, introduce you to, uh, to them, um, just maybe let's talk a little bit about uh, where you're from and growing up. So you're from the Midwest, uh, grew up in St. Louis. Yes. Um, so tell me what that was like growing up. Well, it was uh, a great place to grow up, I will say. And I uh, had a lot of family there. But the most important thing is, and I, by the way, I worked when I was in high school for the CBS, uh, what they call the CBS O&O, the own and operated affiliate. And uh, I worked the, the floor job. So I would go five, four, three, two, one, and then point oh, to wow. the guy. Oh, wow. Okay. And then your get first up at introduction five in the morning to the business to, in that yeah, way. Yeah, it was right? great. That was my introduction to the business. But um, the interesting thing about growing up in St. Louis for me was also that um, I met my wife when I was 14. Wow. And we started going out then. We're still together 53 years later after we got married. So it's, 65 years after we, I don't know how many years, it's been too many to remember. <laughs> but my wife, Judy, was also from St. Louis. We went to school together and her family was very well connected to the Cardinals. So, and ah. she worked for the Cardinals. She used to give okay. tours of the stadium. So okay. we have a strong connection to the St. Louis Cardinals. And in fact, we used to go over to her uncle's house and I got to flip baseball cards with the guys on the cards. Wow. And Timmy wow. McCarver and people yeah. like that, you know. Uh, so it was really a lot of fun, and, a, and we still have a, a strong feeling for the Cardinals as well as the Dodgers. I went to, I grew up there. My sisters, I had two older sisters. My uh, my dad's family was large. My wife, some of my wife's family was there, uh, and still is. And then we, and then I went to the University of Wisconsin, where I graduated and came immediately out here. I studied uh, history and writing in Wisconsin. Okay. And I was lucky enough to take a course with a Nobel Prize winning author by the name of Isaac Bashiva Singer. Oh, famous. Absolutely. Famous. Wow. What, the, how, a what a neat opportunity. Wow. Yeah. And that was a real breakthrough for me. And I knew I wanted to write. So after graduation, I came out here. I had a cousin. He's still my cousin. And uh, 
He's uh, a member of Brentwood as well. His name's Larry Gordon. He's a major producer in, in the entertainment business, made movies like Field of Dreams and Die Hard. Oh, wow. Things like that. And um, I went to work for him and then eventually wrote a script and broke in. And that's where I've been ever since. Judy and I got married in 1970 and we're still here. <laughs> wow. So let me ask you a little bit about, so you, you, you studied writing in college, knew that's what you were going to do, wanted to do. How did you sort of turn to say, well, I want to not just write, but I want to write in the entertainment area and, and picked up and went to California. What, what, what kind of pushed you in that direction? Well, I always knew that I wanted to write. And I, and I also knew that I was interested in the entertainment business. And because I had a cousin out here who'd already sort of gotten his foot in the door and I knew I could get a job and uh, make what was then 60 bucks a week, you know, it was big time money. <laughs> so I, I came out just before Neil Armstrong landed on the moon. Okay. Uh, this is there's a one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, Absolutely. and it's across the country for me. Wow. And uh, so I went to work, uh, and I had several odd jobs here in town, just trying to learn the business and get my foot in the door. And then I was advised to write and try and get my script noticed. And I was lucky enough to write a script when I was 22, 23, that uh, became one of the very first movies of the week ever made. Wow. So is that kind of your first big break? You would my say? first breakthrough was Aaron Spelling, who bought the script for ABC and made it. And uh, yeah, I was, I broke in at a very young age. And then to, I, I thought, boy, this is easy. All you got to do is write a script and they buy it. And then I piled <laughs> up scripts that didn't sell like everybody else. But I broke in and, and after a few years, I got a chance to be a story editor. And I worked as a story editor on several um, shows. And then uh, actually was doing a show with Raymond Burr at Universal and uh, they moved me up to producer and I became a producer at about 29 years old. Wow. Wow. I was producing television. So I did that for a long time and then started my own company. And in the late eighties, I teamed up with my current partner, Bob Papazian. We created Papazian Hirsch Entertainment. We made probably a hundred movies for television and mini series wow. and miniseries and everything. And though we built our studio together. So, um, we're still together as a, as a partnership and still working and we have a real estate business as well. Right. Yeah. I, so I want, I'm going to get to that term, but before we do, so you're being a little modest. So lots of really notable things. The incredible Hulk, I know was one of them and Nash bridges was yeah. probably another one. I mean, any, you know, any, and, and, you know, she said over a hundred things, lots of different tremendous projects, Anyone like stick out in your mind as kind of, you know, a particular favorite or particular notable one for any particular reason? Well, that, yeah, there's a couple that stick out, but one I would point to, I, I did a movie that I wrote and I was nominated for an Emmy and for a Writers Guild Award called The Rape of Richard Beck. It was back okay. in 1984 and it starred Richard Crenna, who became oh, yeah. a very dear friend of yeah. mine. Oh, okay. And, and he won his, his first big Emmy for that movie. Wow. Um, and it was a story about a rough kind of hairy, dirty, hairy kind of cop who thought that women deserved whatever happened to him. And it was uh -huh. a, he had a real, you know, old fashioned chauvinistic view of sexual assault. And he, he was taken prisoner by a couple of biker guys who assaulted him. And, wow. And, and that was the basis of the movie. And uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, yes. And, and so it got a lot of attention because it was yeah. the first movie really made that showed rape from, from a male point of view. 
right. and what it did to him and how he learned to be. Um, it was actually based on a, a real person in Seattle who had that hadn't happened to him, but he had made that up as a way to teach policemen in the academy to be more um, interesting, to be more understanding of what a woman goes through. So right. the movie was about this tough, hard ass guy who actually ends up going through it himself and it changes who he is. And the movie ends with him teaching young cops in the, uh, you know, in the, in the academy, the same idea. So I did that in 1984 and it was nominated for an Emmy and was, you know, it was a really successful picture. It got a lot of attention and it, and was the highlight of my career in that respect. Um, and, and for me, it still, you know, ranks very, very highly because it was probably the most attention I ever got as a writer. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, and there were other projects that were a lot of fun. My my that my partner and I have done together a lot of things, but yeah, that stands out. And though know, I can s- certainly understand that, and Richard Krennic, quite a notable actor, yeah, and um, uh, tremendous, I mean, been in tremendous films, and and Nash Bridges. I know you're on for a long time, and I got to imagine I'm not in the business at all. So, uh, but I mean, I got to imagine when you're on a show like that for a long time you establish relationships with people. I know, and we'll get to this when we talk about the tournament you guys are going to sure. have in the fall that Cheech Martin, you know, is yeah, in a long Marin, time. That's how come Cheech, Cheech Marin is in it. And right. I, spent, I spent four years commuting back and forth to um, San Francisco while we were doing the show. My partner and I were the co-exec producers. And so we were in charge of physically making the show up in San Francisco while the scripts and the casting and stuff were being down here. Wow. And so I got close not only to Cheech, but all the other people in the show, including Don, of course. Yeah. Um, and I think it's safe to say Don himself would acknowledge that he was a handful and then some. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was certainly challenged. But it also came at the same time that Bob and I decided to buy that property and turn it into a studio. So we were doing two things at once. And he was down here trying to get the studio up and running. And I was doing the show and going back and forth every week. And in those days... I could literally have the driver pick me up at 9.30 and make a 10 o'clock flight. Go try yeah. that in this world now. Yeah, those, those, yeah, the those pre, days are gone. The pre, pre-9-11 days, those days right. are gone. So I'm glad you mentioned the real estate. I wanted to ask you about that. So you've, you've had this long career. You're still successful at the time in, in writing and producing. And then you sort of pivot over to real estate. Yes. What, what sort of... Um, oh, I can tell you. It's, it's, what made you do it? Yeah, I can tell you what, what precipitated yeah. Bob and I had a business in which we were known as what's called suppliers to the networks, which meant that they licensed movies from us, but we owned those negatives. Okay. We had a large company. We did a lot of movies that way. And owning the negatives meant we could sell them around the world. In the early 90s, the the rules were changed and something called the FinCEN rules were eliminated. And that allowed the networks to own the movies rather than license them from outside people. They could own them themselves. So the easiest way to explain this to someone not in the business is real simple. You can imagine me selling a movie to ABC when I could own the negative in the early days. But once ABC was owned by Disney, who do you think was going to own the negative? Right, right, right. So we were being driven out of business as independents because our business was dependent on owning the negatives, not just doing it for a fee. And we were, we were drying up like a leaf in the fall. And we said to each other, we've got to reinvent ourselves. We've got to do something different. And we had at that time rented a lot of warehouse space to shoot in. And we said, well, why don't we find 
something that works and turn it into a studio. And a friend of ours in the business called us and we went out into the valley and looked at this building that had been built in the, in the 60s for uh, rocket work by, by uh, North American and Rocket Time. And it had subsequently been bought by the hair products people, the Redken Hair Company. Okay. And it was a huge building on 12 acres. It had high ceilings. We looked wow. at it and we knew that it would work as a film studio that we could turn it into shooting uh, stages. So we put, we, we did like James Holsire in Jeopardy. We went like this and we put everything on the line and, <laughs> and bought this property. It was way out of our reach, but we bought it and, and we were able to, to get it up and running and it was very successful. Wow. And it changed our lives because if someone had told me in the 80s in my life as a writer producer that my biggest hit would be a real estate play, I would have told them they're <laughs> out of their mind. But I learned to go with the wind, you know, and I think that's part of what's led me into the uh, re recovery shot world. You've got to be open to things. Yeah, absolutely. That's fabulous. That is hard when you're in a business for a long time and the rules change and you need to sort of reinvent yourself because you're, you know, you're not a kid in, in 1984. No, no, not at all. And was, that's hard. Right. And, and it was 97 when we had to make that change. Or 97, so I was, right, yeah. I was almost, and I was 50 years old. It was a late time to suddenly be changing in midstream, but my partner right. was even older than me. Wow. And yet it, it, kind of in, it kind of got us going again. Sure. And, to have stayed in the business as a writer and a producer and a partnership, unless you have a hit show, you're just working for fees. And you're right, right. like an actor, you're waiting for the next job. It's a hard way to make a living. And I was more entrepreneurial. I wanted to have a business. I sure, wanted yeah. not to have to depend on the next job, so to speak. And so it really changed our lives for the better. Wow. Wow. So, so where did it go from there? I know that was your bet that that one you just described in the valley was you know a significant one but did you sort of keep involved in yeah we stayed involved in the in the uh studio business for quite a while we were part owners and my partner became the ceo of sunset gower which is the old columbia oh studios. sure yeah the old studio, and, columbia yeah. studio, right yeah so we we were involved in columbia for a while and then sold that to this guy victor coleman who has hudson capital you know yeah um, and he's got studios all over the place we did some uh, attempts to open studios in Boston and in Savannah and some other places, New Orleans, but something always got in the way in New Orleans, it was Katrina and in Boston and Savannah, it was 2008. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. The recession, and, uh, sure. Money kind of dried up. So yeah, we ended up not going into that, but we, you know, we, we were involved and we did some consulting with other companies who were in the studio business, things like that. Cool. That is neat. Um, interesting to hear about those other towns. I know so many other states give all sorts of, so anxious to get a piece of the movie business yeah, and give all yeah. sorts of credits and Georgia, especially. So Georgia, especially. Yeah, well, yeah. Bob and I were the ones who kind of started that business because when we built our studio, Ray Art, in 1997, there were none of these independent studios. Manhattan Beach was built after us. Okay? Wow. Okay. At one point we, we were close to buying that one and all these independent studios, you know, like out in, in, in uh, the North Valley and everything and the other cities, they, they've come along since that time. It's become a huge business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, 
let, let's sort of uh, get into a little bit the recovery shot stuff, but, but as kind of a bridge to that, let's talk about the game we both like for a minute, uh, golf. So um, is golf, I, I, and I know how avid of golf you are, and, and you and I have both been members of Brentwood for a while, you a lot longer than me. Um, when did you first get into golf? Um, was that something you did as a youngster, was it only yeah. as an adult? Well, how did you first get into the game? I got into it with my dad in St. Louis. He belonged to a country club there. Uh, when I was little, up until about 10, 12 years old, he had a boat out in the Mississippi, and we'd go every week to the Mississippi and go wow. ride in the boat, and I was like his mate, you know? Wow. And then wow. he gave the boat up because my mom hated going on the boat. So he gave it up <laughs> and took up golf, and he joined uh, a, a club there called Meadowbrook, which was a well-known club in St. Louis. And okay. so I was able to play as a young boy in my teens with him. And I was never very good. I just enjoyed it going out with my dad and stuff. And then I, sure. when I left for school, I gave it up and didn't play again until I moved out here. And after I moved out here, I spent probably three or four years not playing at all. And then a couple of friends of mine and I said, well, let's go try the public courses. And we played Encino and we played yeah. Rancho. And yeah. We just knocked the ball around and stuff. Yeah. And it was when my kids were little, my wife said to me one day, you know, you're spending too much time working on the weekends and the kids, you're not, they're going to get to the point where they have their own things to do on the weekends. You need something else. You should go back to playing golf. So I called my friends at, who I knew at Brentwood and they said, yeah, we'll sponsor you. And I joined. And I remember saying to her, this was a bad decision. I said, <laughs> I'm, I don't know anybody there. I'll never be able to find a game. They'll stick me with a bunch of old guys and I won't know what to do. And I'm not that good anyway. And from the day I joined, the place was great. And I've loved it ever yeah. since. And I've made a million friends there. As, I, as you know, it's just yeah. a great place to be. And it is a real family, friendly family club, to yeah. be sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I got better. And, uh, and then I got older and then I got worse again. <laughs> but I play for fun and enjoy it. And uh, my son, who lives in Chicago, who's 43, comes out and plays with me in the Brentwater every year. Oh, wonderful. And we actually... We actually finished fourth uh, a couple of years ago out of all 60 something teams. Wow. That's terrific. And this past year, this, this past spring, we won the shootout on Thursday. Oh, wow. Okay. And well, you know what they say about the masters, Larry, when you, right. Win, it's, 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 our shootout, right. Is the analogous to the, the analogies, the of so masters, we won the right. shootout and we were <laughs> terrible in the tournament. It was the worst we ever played. So, but I love when he comes out and plays with me and he's, he's, he's a naturally good, but doesn't work at it. So we have a lot of fun. I just think it's, it's just a wonderful way to spend time with friends yeah. and to get to the outdoors and you don't have to be a major athlete to enjoy it. And uh, I think it's all great. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, 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 you know, it's been interesting the last few years during this pandemic, it's kind of the quintessential socially distanced sport. And we've sort of seen not just only at Brentwood, but all over the golf industry, the number of rounds just exploded as people have sort of come to the game and everything. And it's, exactly. it's a great way to get out there. It's also to me, you know, uh, I get away from the screen, you know, whether it's yeah. your phone or your computer yeah. and get out there for hours. It's, it's terrific. So let's talk about this fantastic organization um, that you're CEO now of Recovery Shot. Um, and the website is recoveryshot.org. 
Um, and it's such an, it, it not only a terrific organization, but such an amazing story to me in terms of how it got started. So um, with, with Dennis Leone and, and so on. So maybe you can just sort of sure. walk folks through kind of how this thing arose, because it's really remarkable. It is story. a great story. So uh, Dennis's uh, wife, Debbie, worked for me way back in the 80s. I was sort of her mentor in the business. After she worked for me, she was head of drama for ABC for a while. She was partners with George Clooney for a while. She ran Bob Hope's estate closing business. She's, she's done a lot of great stuff and we're very, very close. And Dennis had worked as a stuntman for me. Mm. He's a very good athlete. And he also became a writer producer like me. And he created a show that was the first Latino show to make it onto the big networks. It was on Showtime. It was called Resurrection Boulevard. Right. That was his show. So we would play golf together sometimes, but we were very close as families. I'm very close to her. Their two daughters who are great. And my wife, Judy, and I just, they're friends of ours, very close friends. And about six years ago, Dennis Leone suffered two extremely serious strokes. Mm. He was out and he couldn't move. He couldn't talk. And I, went, I remember visiting him in the hospital and it was so heartbreaking. We were just so worried about him. He survived, but he couldn't do much. And he was also embarrassed. It was hard for him to live because he had been a physical guy. Now he couldn't even move. But he had a friend named Bob Hirschback. And Bob Hirschback is one of those guys who doesn't take no for an answer. Uh, he has no stopping him. And he wanted Dennis to go out on the golf course with him. And Dennis kept saying, no, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to go. And Bob said, you're going with me. And he dragged him out to his club, which is Spanish Hills out in Ventura. Yeah. And at first, we literally had to hold Dennis up with a strap. He couldn't even stand up. Wow. And, and then he would hold the stick while somebody else putted. And after a little bit of time, he took the putter and putted once or twice by himself. And then eventually, and I remember these early rounds because I played in some of them, he could swing the club once and they have to get back in the cart and sit there because the vertigo would just wipe him out. That was six years ago. Today, Dennis can shoot in the 80s. That's amazing. It is an amazing story. And so he, he, he returned to his life. And his daughters were so touched by him. And Debbie, his wife, is so moved to have her husband back, to have their dad back. It was so moving. And they came to me and Judy and they said, we want to we want to play it forward. We want to do something to take what happened to Dennis and make it possible. And we started kicking around ideas and we came up with this idea for recovery shot. And it seemed like the perfect phrase to use. Yep. Jack Nicklaus calls the recovery shot the greatest shot in golf. And it is because we've all been in trouble. We've all right. been in the woods. We've all been in the sand. We've all been in the, in the, in the you know, Barranca. And to be able to get out is the greatest feeling there is. Absolutely. And recovery is what it's all about. So we came up with this idea and it was basically based on the notion that we could take a golfer, who, uh, someone who had had physical disabilities, whether it was a stroke or a, a limb problem or some sort of any disability and pair them with a partner of theirs, a spouse, a friend, whoever, and put them on the golf course. And that's what we could do is help them get back on the golf course. We're just starting to do that now because we are a brand new nonprofit and we're putting our first golfing partners out on the course. Now we're just, we're lining that up. There's legal stuff that has to be done. There's the courses have to be arranged and so on and so forth. But we're making that, we're beginning to do what we did, said. But at the same time, we thought we can do more. So 
we became a, an organization that as we move forward, we wanna be able to help anyone with a disability of any kind use golf as a recovery method, as a as therapy, golf as, as a therapy. And to pursue that, I met with, through some mutual friends, um, the people who run the California Rehabilitation Institute, which is an eight story hospital in Century City that is a partnership of Cedars and UCLA. Mm. It's the best rehabilitation center on the West Coast. And when I met with the people who run it, they embraced our idea completely. They're now on our website. Anybody who goes to our website will see their page where they endorse us and what we're doing. And they also feed us potential golfers who need. So I have to give you this one example because it's so great. Yeah, please. A guy who worked for uh, California Pizza Kitchen and something happened to him and he lost his legs below his knees down to his feet. And he went to the rehab center and they helped him. They put prosthetics on him and it got him back to being able to function in life. And all he wants to do is come back and play golf. So they put him in touch with us. He gave us permission to use his picture, which is amazing, on our website. And that connection allows us to look at other adaptive golf programs and help them or to be a conduit between golfers who need it and the help that they can get anywhere. So we're not just putting golfers on the golf course. We're using golf in any way we can that can help recovery. That's fantastic. So, uh, so many interesting things here. So I'm curious, either in Dennis's particular case or others, what's the reaction been of medical professionals? I mean, like, were they surprised, like in Dennis's case, that he was able to make this progress? Or That's, a, that's an interesting question, Larry. And yes, they were. Um, his cardiologist has now endorsed us like crazy. His neurologists are all behind it, but they are surprised that he has come back as far as he has. And what they've said is, which makes perfect sense to all of us, especially those of us who do play golf, that companionship, nice being out in nice weather, light exercise, the whole experience that, and the, and the, and the exercise itself of movement, it's all positive for someone who suffered. And there are no guarantees. There were no guarantees for Dennis. Uh, Someone has a stroke. There's no guarantee they'll ever be able to play again. We have one of our golfers who's going to be using recovery shot to play, but he can't even speak. Mm. He can communicate and his wife is going out with him as the, as the Bob Hirschback as the partner. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he just wants to go out there and swing the club, but he's in really bad shape. So the fact that it's not going to cure him, it's not going to make his life perfect but it is going to help him enjoy what he does have. And, right. and to me, that's enough. Absolutely. That's enough to give somebody something. For sure. So what has the responses been from golf courses, getting access to them for some of these folks? I mean, maybe talk a little bit about that aspect of it. Well, it, it has been terrific. Um, we are mostly right now out in the Ventura area, because that's where Dennis and, and Debbie live. Yeah. And that's where we decide to concentrate. That's why our first tournament, and we'll get to that. I know right, it's, right. it's that course, out yeah. there. And the story took place at Spanish Hills, which is also out there. Right. Several courses out there have already given us free times. Now, wow. obviously they're not going to put somebody out during the midst of the, you know, Saturday morning at uh, nine, right. Right. but right. they're giving us free times for golfers to come out and play. So we'll be able to take our first recovery shot golfers and have them play. There's two or three courses there, Las Posas, 
and Los Olivos and Spanish Hills and other things that, and we expect that to happen in other courses down here once we get to. We're still new, so we haven't taken that step yet. I think there's a larger, I wouldn't call it a problem. There's a, a more difficult wall to cross with private courses yeah. because they have rules and the membership. Right, you know. right. But the guys within those private clubs, the ones that know about this have been supportive, everybody. And yeah. I, I expect that to just grow. You know, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, no, I'm sure it will. And, you know, and the other thing is I'm just listening to you and thinking about this that comes to mind is um, the whole... Um, uh, situation these days uh, with um, folks who have these sort of challenges, and I'm trying to think of the exact name, but the USGA started a new yes. championship, the ADAPT, I think it's called the Adaptive Championship. Adaptive USGA. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there's another avenue, right? That yes, uh, We haven't spoken to them yet, but they're on our list to, to get together with the AUSGA, the Adaptive US Golf Association, and they have a whole slew of organizations that work with them, and we'd like to be one of those. One of the things we found that was rather surprising, I got to tell you, Debbie was the first one to tell me this, as she did the research, there isn't another adaptive golf program like ours in all of Southern California. Wow. I find stunning. I do too. With so much golf here and, and right. you know, that neither in Ventura County or LA County is there another organization like ours. Wow. And um, so we felt that we are really filling a need. And of course, I will add a little aside to all this, my sure. partner and I made a movie back in 2013 called Least Among Saints. Uh, it starred and was directed by and written by my partner's son, Marty Papazian, who happens now to be a fireman up in Ventura. Okay. He, he, went, he quit acting and went into first responding, but he wrote and starred in this movie. We made it, it got a lot of attention and it was about a veteran with PTSD coming back from Afghanistan and how his life got better because he helped a young boy who needed help. So my point being, we've had some experience. We had a lot of experience with the veterans groups at yeah. that time. We were, we were having screenings that supported the veterans groups. We were closely involved and actually won an award from the General Electric uh, Veterans uh, Group that they have there within the company. Veterans are another area where recovery yes. is very meaningful. Yes. Very meaningful. I have a friend from the University of Wisconsin. He played uh, offensive lineman there, believe it or not. And he started something called Team Rubicon, which you may have heard of. Yep. It's an organization of veterans that goes wherever there's a natural disaster, like uh, the flood in Texas or an earthquake in, in Haiti. And they go there to help volunteer. And it gives the veterans something to feel purpose with. And he did it to help his fellow Marines and other veterans with PTSD have something that made them feel good about themselves. But it turns out to be a tremendous organization to help others. So I think there's a great connection to that as well. For and, sure. Uh, it raises the number of people we can help, not just with physical disabilities, but with emotional disabilities as well. Wow, absolutely. So um, just awesome. So let's talk about kind of where, you know, I, where you are and where it's going. Um, as you said, it's, it's, you know, your website is up and running. It's a fairly new organization. Um, you're going to, uh, among the events coming up in the next few months is this fall, um, a tournament at Satikoi. Maybe talk about that because it sounds like you're getting a lot of support for that from a lot of people. 
We, we are. Um, I will start with how it how it became Satakoy. Yeah, please. It'd be no surprise to those of us at Brentwood who <laughs> yeah. know the guys who bought Satakoy. <laughs> right. Um, no, having friends at Brentwood who who did what they did, the Anton brothers and and Lee and and the guys who bought Satakoy. I went to them and I talked to them about what we were planning. And at the time, we we hadn't even gotten our IRS acknowledgement yet that we were a legitimate 501c3, but they were behind it and they entered. They said, why don't you call Robert Nagelberg? He yeah. used to be our yeah. manager. used to be at Brentwood, right. And they exactly. stole him away, but he's a wonderful guy. And so yes. I called Robert and we sat down and talked and he said, I can do this on the November the 14th, if you want. And we said, done, that's perfect. So we signed up um, and it just the kind of coincidence that makes this event feel right, just to give you an idea. Yeah. Their pro there is Ben Edwards. And Ben Edwards is going to do the long drive where you, you paid the pro to hit your drive for you. Yeah, yeah. Because he's sure. one of the guys who used to do the long drive tour. He's a big athletic young man, a terrific, terrific guy. But here's the kicker. He went to high school with Dennis and Debbie's daughters. Oh, wow. Wow. So we have a family connection going on at the same time. It's really quite amazing. And i give you one other major coincidence that tells yeah. us we're on the right track. The head of the California Rehabilitation Institute, the CEO there is a guy named Rich Montmany. And Rich, it turns out, who's about a, I think he told me an eight or nine handicap, plays and belongs to Spanish Hills where our story took oh, place. Boy. And one day yeah. on the range after he met with me, he happened to see Bob Hirschback. They introduced he, themselves to each other and played around together. Wow. It's unbelievable that our story is where, it, there's so many connections like that. So we, we set up the, the idea of the tournament and immediately started getting things. Guys from Brentwood, a lot of my friends have been saying, we'll sign up for a foursome. Uh, we're going to donate some to you guys and, and give support. And um, things like Maroon 5 gave us tickets to a concert, said you can auction that off. And then they signed up for a foursome. Uh, I've known Adam Levine since he was a little kid because he grew up with my son and they played guitar together. And my son, you know, had a chance to be in Maroon 5 and he didn't take it. I've never oh, boy. Oh, it. boy. <laughs> yeah, I, always, I tell him, you know, uh, but we, we joke about it all the time. But Adam's a wonderful kid. We've known him since he was a boy. And um, and then, of course, when it came time to decide who might be our host, I reached out to Cheech Marin of Cheech and Chong because we had done all those years together at Nash Bridges. And occasionally during those days, we played golf together. And guess where we played? Satakoy, because he was a member then. Oh, wow. Wow. So Amazing. he's going back to his old club. And uh, as you may have seen in the papers, he's just opened, they've just opened a, an entire museum of his Latino art down in uh, Orange County, which is not in Orange County, Riverside County, which yeah. is called The Cheech. They've now opened a, a, a museum called the Cheech. So when I wrote to him, I uh, called him and asked him if he would be interested. He said, absolutely, if he's free. We got a notation that he was free. He gave us a picture to put on our flyer for the tournament. And now he's going back to his old club to be our host and MC. And we have other celebrities that are lining up for this. And, I, and one last story on the connection Please, of, yeah. the, of yeah. the tournament and how it goes. I have to talk about my wife, Judy. Yeah, uh, because for the last 27 years, until literally last week, she was the director of admissions at a private school here in L.A. called John Thomas Dye, which is 
among the most exclusive private schools anywhere. So her contact list is beyond gold. I have no doubt. (laughs) So two weeks ago, she said, well, let's have dinner. I've set it up. And I had dinner with Francesco Molinari. Oh, wow. Who listened to my recovery shot story and said, I love that. Whatever you need me to do, I'm there, you know. Wow. And and, uh, we're having dinner uh, in later in August with Jim Courier from the tennis world. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, so there are people on the on the celebrity sports list, as well as the celebrity list, that are already stepping up and saying whatever we can do. I reached out to a friend of mine, Don Felder, who used to be with the Eagles, who wrote Hotel California. He said, I'm, I may be on tour then, but I'll do whatever I can for it. That kind of thing. It's yeah. just been one set of support after another. And uh, it, it's exciting and it's gratifying it's also brand new to me i've never done anything like this so uh it's it's another turn in the in my career as you know i think you know from the bio you did before we were doing this that i taught a master class in screenwriting at my alma mater university at madison yeah yeah I, i went back to madison every year in the fall only because after december i didn't want to get frozen out yeah for sure when the football games were being played. exactly right so I have a lot of friends at Madison and uh, I did that until um, 2019 and then COVID put an end to that. I still teach a screenwriting course on Zoom to the graduates of the New York Neighborhood Playhouse in New York City. Oh, Neighborhood wow. Neighborhood Playhouse is a famous yeah. acting school sure. where like Gregory Peck and Jimmy Kahn and Robert Duvall went. Oh, and yeah. I'm on their board. And so I teach the students a screenwriting class. I just had my last class of the my fourth session um, last night. And so it gives me, I, I can only say it this way, Larry, like golf, you never know what's coming next. Yep. You can have done it every day for a thousand years and every round is different. For sure. And you, you're on the same course you've been on all your life. You're looking at the same green from the same fairway. And yet it's different every single time. And to me, that's sort of a, a model of, of life. You know, you don't know what's coming next. You got to be ready for it. Absolutely. I, I just, it, that's just fantastic. I mean, and, and um, it's, I hadn't appreciated, uh, you know, the, the different turns your career has taken, and this is just yet another one. And so, um, but what a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. So where do you kind of, if you look forward, and I know this is going to be a hard question to answer because this is uncharted territory sure. for you. Um, uh, you know, it's a new organization. It's not like you've done this before, but like where you, if we look out a year, two years, three years, where do you, what's your vision at this point for where you want recovery shot to be? Okay. Uh, The easiest way to answer that is that um, I'm aware that no one can predict this kind of thing. And yeah, for sure. There's no easy answer to what you just said, but here's, if I could wave a magic wand and, and kind of see the future, what I would like to see is that recovery shot catches on here and that we, are, we have enough supporters and we have enough success with our tournament and what follows that tournament, which is more of the same, that we are on the map. And then I would hope that we could, we could hire the right kind of um, PR and marketing people to get the word out of who we are. And when that starts to happen, my goal is that there's a recovery shot chapter in every city. Yeah. Uh, I have a cousin named Bob Gadd who started a business called the National Business Post. And the National Business Post 
was done so that companies that couldn't get coverage in the newspapers, unless they paid for advertising, could have stories written about them. And so he is currently, as a, as a matter of fact, this afternoon, he's going to be interviewing Dennis. We made a deal with him to do a National Business Post story about recovery shot. And his, um, you guys should actually talk because his um, reach for his articles is now 52 states, 90 countries, and some of his articles have had 300,000 hits. Wow. So he's built a nice little business and it's for businesses and groups like ours to get awareness about them. Yeah. And um, uh, he happens to be my second cousin. We both grew up in St. Louis and we both went to the University of Wisconsin. Okay. That's also one of just one of those crazy connections, but he's a great young man anyway. So that kind of attention the more that kind of attention we can get, the further we can spread it out. You, you know this better than anybody. You're a living example of what golf is really all about. You take a lawyer who spent his whole life <laughs> you know, in the law, and now you're Larry the, the golf guy. The very yeah. fact that you've done what you've done is a testament to what golf means to all of us. It really is. I appreciate uh, that. Know, and and it, there's not a city you can go to in America. There's not a small town you can go to in America. Yeah. That people don't love to play golf. And I think, as you said, since the since COVID, it's just gone. The number of rounds and everything has just exploded. So to me, we're sitting on the right spot. If we can accomplish some good things that people can really recognize for golfers, and that's the hope, that our idea of being able to help people will come true. I wish I could say for sure it will. I mean, who knows? But if we do what we want to do and help people, that message then goes to other cities. I think it becomes a worldwide organization. Yeah, I, I, I just all wonderful, and I don't, I don't disagree at all. Um, and um, I think you'll get support from the golf organizations. We mentioned the USGA. I think you know we're we're here in Southern California. The SCGA, the Southern California Golf Association, is you know. One, not surprising, given, you know, the number of, of, of golf courses and people out here, you know, viewed by the USG and others as one of the most important sure. regional golf organizations in the country. Um, it's got a tremendous reach. Um, and uh, between the SCG and USG, I'm sure they'll be interested in, in being part of your story and, and helping support it. But um, this is fantastic. It's so, so exciting. If I asked you, if I asked yes. you as a golfer, yeah. to tell me who you think the quintessential example of recovery shot is in the world of golf, who would you come up with? Um, so I'm, <laughs> so if I'm looking at it from a um, standpoint of recovery, recovery, I has to be, rec- it has to be Ben Hogan for me. Um, and, but, but more recently, of course, is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. With, with, with the think about it. And, and I have people who know Tiger and, and, you know, I don't want to go, uh, bring something to him when we're not up and running yet. Yeah, yeah. But eventually, I want him to be aware of it because if you think about it, he's the definition of recovery shot. Here's he a man the with the greatest one, golfer sure. of his time, yeah, yeah. with the biggest accidents, the worst, you know, physical conditions that he had to come back from, and he did over and over again. He sort of defines what it means to yeah. to lose it and come back. So uh, that, but you know. Uh, I, I may have told you this story when we were chatting, but I had a student who's yeah. now a videographer for ESPN. He's won a couple of Emmys for his video work. And when I talked to him about this, he started laughing. I said, why are you laughing? He said, well, I just got back 
He says, your timing couldn't be better because I just got back from Phoenix at the time of the Phoenix Open. He had gone down there for ESPN to film a segment on John Rahm helping a young boy with club feet yeah. because John Rahm was born with a club foot. Right. So he right. said, that, that's what you're talking about. So we're going to be able to put up some clips of his work with John and hopefully a, a quote from John uh, on our website as well. And that's the kind of thing is to find those golfers who understand what it means. A lot of them have been through variations of having to recover. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sure. both, yeah, both Ram and Tiger for sure. Um, sure. And I mean, that would be, that would be fantastic to yeah. get there. And, and Tiger, of course, you know, of course the accident being, out here in PV and, you know, his doctors are at Cedars and I, right. I'm sure, you know, through your contacts, you'll be able to get somehow connected with him. And I, and I appreciate what you're saying. You want to have it fully up and running, you right. know, to, to, before you approach him, but that would be fantastic. Yeah. And, and so it, it's great from a standpoint of, how should I put this? The one thing that's happened since we started recovery shot is I have never had a moment where I was, uncomfortable telling someone about it as if I was, you know, pushing them or, or being pushy to them or, or, you know, invading their space with, I've never had anyone react negatively like that. It, it's, it's, nobody said, why do you want to do that for? You know, nobody, what good is that? Or, you know, I, I get the same reaction and it's, it's hard to resist that. Yeah. As a human being, it's hard to feel so good about being able to help people and, doing it with the thing we all do for fun anyway. Absolutely. I mean, you know, what better combination could there be than golf and helping people? So it, it feels good and, and I'm, I'm excited about it and we're, we're off to a great start, but we are still brand new and we're tiny and we need support and we need to have success with our tournament and to start putting golfers out there on the course and all that has to happen. I believe that it will, but, but that's, that's the next steps that have to happen. No, I, I totally agree. And again, for everyone listening, just to give folks again, the website, it's recoveryshot.org. Um, it's a lovely website, um, talks about a lot of things we've talked about. Uh, for those who are listening in Southern California, you'll see the ability to sign up for the tournament we've talked about in November. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful organization. And um, uh, just an, an awesome story with Dennis and, and just an awesome, awesome thing. So Jim, I really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. Um, Larry, I, really, I can't thank you enough. Oh no, my pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. Good joy talking. We're going to definitely tee it up at Brentwood sometime soon for sure. You bet. You got to give me a bunch of strokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. We've gone this far without talking, without playing, but we'll, we'll, re we'll uh, re remedy that. But thank you again for um, uh, your time and for, um, for doing this, um, this wonderful organization. And I wish you the very best and uh, we'll look forward to seeing it grow. I have, I'm optimistic like you are. I think this is a great story. And um, as you said, well, a few minutes ago, I mean, people hear it, how could you not be supportive of something like this? So I wish you the very best and uh, we'll look forward to seeing it grow and become even more significant. Thank you. And I look forward to having uh, to see to hearing my podcast and, and maybe being able to use a clip or two of it on our website. Absolutely. My pleasure, Jim. Very, thank you Thanks so, so much. much Larry. Thanks.